This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Real Real Podcast. Today's episode, I am interviewing Eileen. She is a YouTuber. You guys might know her by Lavendaire. That's her shop. And I feel like it's also just her brand. She is incredible. She's a very successful YouTuber, blogger. She has a successful shop where she has really amazing planners. She has daily planners. She has um, artist of life planners. And her story is just really, really inspiring because if you are feeling lost in this world, if you are feeling like you don't know what you are meant to do, if you're feeling like you have a million interests and you don't know the direction to take, this episode is for you. And I related so much to her story and just to her journey up until now because she's one of those people that has tried out so many different things and some have worked and some haven't but she's learned so much from every single one and if she listened to what she was quote-unquote supposed to do she wouldn't be where she is today so I just find it very very inspiring I loved interviewing her I'm a huge fan of her YouTube channel and I know a lot of you guys are too so I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode but I also just want to say thank you guys for all of the love on my podcast i love seeing you guys share it i love seeing the reviews i mean if you guys are listening to this episode be sure to screenshot it and post it on your story so i can see probably my favorite part of the podcast is when i see that you guys are actually listening and posting on your story like i said i want to start making these intros a little bit longer and kind of sharing more about my own life so that you guys can get to know me a little bit more but this week i am moving to miami and for those of you guys who are shocked I'm actually coming up with a video tomorrow explaining my move, explaining why I'm moving, explaining what the move even means because it's like kind of a move, kind of not. I'm staying in a family's place so it's not like I'm doing the whole renting an apartment thing or like starting from scratch so I'm very grateful that I have that option so I do like want to acknowledge that Um, but I am actually I'll be going back and forth because I'm renovating a house, so I need to make sure that the house is all good. I just got a car in order to do that and to be more flexible with my schedule, and especially in Miami, I'm definitely going to need a car, so uh, I'm just very, I'm very excited. I'll, I'll be back and forth. I don't know how long I'll be in Miami, but probably for the remainder of the year is kind of my plan to be down there, and I'm just so excited, but it's like a bittersweet feeling. Like, I have a pit in my stomach because... I am leaving Bambino here with my family for the first two months just until my house is done so that I can be going back and forth, you know, without worrying about what I'm going to do with him or having him suffer through traveling all that time. So he'll be here. He has a yard. He's, you know, my family loves him. He's been with my family the entire time. So he's not like moving to a new place. Um, But I just, I miss him so much. Like I miss him and he's literally sleeping at my feet right now. (laughs) I just know I'm going to miss him a lot. So that is the one thing I'm a little bit bittersweet over. But if you guys want to know why I made the move and why I'm not going back to New York City, then you guys can watch my video on that tomorrow. Um, I can also do a whole podcast episode on it. You guys can let me know. But I'm very excited. I'm excited for this new chapter. I think it'll be great for the podcast. I think it'll be great for my YouTube channel, for my Instagram, for everything, for business. So I'm very, very excited. And if you guys want to kind of follow along on my journey, then you guys can look at Instagram and YouTube. I'm trying to get more into Reels and TikTok because I know that I need to. And honestly, I love watching Reels. I love watching TikTok, but I don't ever make them. So I'm filming a day in my life today. I'm going to be doing a little video 
right now um, of me recording on the podcast. So you guys will be able to see this in real time, me recording my podcast on my reels. Hopefully it's one that goes viral. (laughs) So I'm just, I'm nervous, but I am super, super excited. And I'm just, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't feel like I'm making that big of a life change, but I guess I kind of am. It's going to be my first time living alone um, as well. So I'm, I'm very like, I'm an introvert and I love my alone time, but living by myself kind of scares me. Like any sound I hear, I'm like, someone is coming into this apartment and breaking in and like, I'm about to get killed. And I know that that's just not the case. So, (laughs) but like any sound, it's like the wind blows outside and I'm like, oh my God, I've seen way too many criminal minds. So I need to just like stop watching that show. Like definitely not going to watch that show when I am living alone. But anyways, before we get into this amazing episode with Eileen, I did want to thank the reviewer of the week. If you guys like this episode, if you guys like the podcast in general, if it's brought you any form of value, then please leave me a review. Um, You can go to Apple Podcasts and then go to my podcast and then leave a review. And this one comes from Podcast Pause, love the name. And they said, this is very motivating and I'm loving the Real Real Podcast. Short, simple, lets me know that you guys are liking it. That's all I need from you. But of course, if you want to leave a more thought out review, that is also obviously appreciated, but any single review helps. So thank you guys for reviewing it. Thank you guys for enjoying this podcast. It's been a lot of fun for me to make, and I'm just going to get right into this episode with Eileen. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet, Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Waze new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? 
it is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Eileen. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Hi, Natalie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. I mean, like I was telling you, I've been watching your videos and I think that they're so inspiring and very calming, which is really nice because I feel like on YouTube, it's a lot of like overstimulation or overstimulation. So your videos are like a good way to relax for me. (laughs) Oh, good. Good. So before we get into the topics, I wanted to start with setting the record straight. And this is where I will tell you some assumptions and some stereotypes. And then you're going to let me know if they're true or false and you can feel free to expand on them. Okay, fun. So the first one is you need to know what you want to do in your 20s. Oh, no, that's totally a myth. You don't need to know. And I think it's okay to not know for a few years even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah, it's. I think, I mean, when I didn't know, I was frustrated. But in hindsight, you're like, you know what? That was such a fun time because I got to explore and learn and, you know, do all these random things. Right, right. And I feel like it's one of those years where we feel like everyone else knows what they're doing and no one knows what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And the next one is social media can be very draining. Yes, true. (laughs) I think everyone can agree on that one. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's kind of like what I was saying, like your videos are very calming because I feel like a lot of content is very overwhelming and it is draining. And, you know, so it's nice having those places on social media where you can go and not feel, you know, stressed or or like there's too much going on. I agree because I think YouTube was I think most YouTubers are like the high energy type. And that's the type that's very engaging and entertaining. But like, you know, you get tired of it. You can't have high energy all the time. Right, right. I completely agree. That's kind of how I like making my videos. I don't like them to be too like over the top or too heavily produced or I'm not someone that's like jumps in front of the camera and like yells at the camera. And yeah. <laughs> I used to feel like that was what I had to do like when I started YouTube because those were all the examples that I saw out there. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And the next one is there is no such thing as balancing everything. I think that's true. I think there are different phases of your life where you can have, I think in the maybe the big picture, there could be balance, but in the day to day or the week to week, like you're going to have to give time to other areas more than, you know, some. Right. I completely agree with that. I always say that there's no such thing as balance. It's a more so like priority, you know, like you're going to prioritize your work some days and then you might prioritize, you know, your relationships another day, but it's, you can't do like spend an equal amount of time on everything in one day. Exactly. You have to know your priorities and then just put your time to that. 
Right. And now I'm curious on what you wanted to be when you were younger, because I always like asking my guests these questions to see how it lines up to what you're doing today. Oh, that's a fun question. When I was young, I always liked to, I mean, I think the first one that I can think of is I wanted to be the backup dancer for Britney Spears because (laughs) that was the 90s era. You know, I was so into that and I loved dancing, singing and dancing secretly in my room. Like no one knew I liked to do that. I would close the door and I would just like play my music and dance around. Another thing is like back then, I, it's funny because I had this like recorder, like you remember, I don't know if you know this, you're, you might be young, but cassette tapes, there was this, I had this like cassette tape recorder where I could record myself talking into like a, a toy mic. And mm-hmm. so I used to record myself talking as if I had a radio show. And I think it's, and then I, you could like record music from the radio as well. So I'd be like introducing a song and then I would like play it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I used That's to so do funny. That. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. I used to want to do, um, I would, I always would, get like a video camera from my parents and film Mm -hmm. like news shows so I just always wanted to be like in front of the camera but I I tried so many different things yeah yeah totally (laughs) and so now I mean you're not doing that exactly but you're not far off you know you're still in the like I would say entertainment industry if you will like I feel like social media bleeds into entertainment for sure and it's I mean, I think it's not far off because I've always loved performing and I think I realized that really young. Like I was into music, I played piano and then when I was in high school, I did like musicals and I started learning to like dance and sing. Um, But I had trouble figuring out how that led into a career, you know? So when Mm -hmm. I was in college, I thought that maybe I wanted to work in the entertainment industry on like the business or marketing side. So a lot of my internships were revolved around that. And then actually when I graduated, I realized I don't like to be behind the scenes on the business side like I like to be in front of the camera but you know I I did try like music and acting for a little bit but I don't know I I tried a lot of different things and it all kind of led me to YouTube so yeah yeah (laughs) no that's that's awesome and I mean when you were in school when did you realize that you didn't want to do the behind the scenes like did you graduate and then realize or were you kind of in the middle of your major and then you realized this isn't actually what I want to do It was probably the summer before my senior year. I had an internship at like an advertising company, like a really big one in Santa Monica. And it was like a big job. And it was one of those agencies that you'd be happy to get a job at once you graduated. But, you know, my experience there, I I knew it didn't feel right. I didn't love it. And it was this feeling like, that's it. Like, this is the best there is, you know? (laughs) And so that's when I really realized. And so my senior year was me being lost and trying to interview for jobs, but at the same time, knowing that I didn't want any of these jobs that I was interviewing for. So that's why I embarked on a journey after I graduated to just do creative things. Mm -hmm. And what was that after you graduated? So instead of, I guess, getting that traditional, you know, marketing job or traditional like broadcasting job, what did you do when you were 22, 23 years old? I I didn't have a job lined up. And what was nice was I had a friend who he started volunteering at this like food festival startup. And so he asked me to like volunteer with him. So that was like a side gig that gave me chances to just meet people. It was like this new Asian food festival in the LA area. And it was it was a time where, you know, their first event, there was too many people. And it was like, I don't know. It was crazy popular. So I came on at a really interesting time. So I, and I was like 21 at the time. And it's funny because the guy that started it, he's really shy and he didn't like to be on camera. So when news 
stations came to like do interviews with us, like I would be the one to do the interview. So I had so much fun being on camera and doing these interviews, going on, you know, just being like the PR face of that company. And Mm -hmm. I also helped them create videos. So that was my first like main side gig. So it wasn't a full time job, but it was just like a freelance side thing on on the side while I pursued music as well. So yeah. Yeah, so I did those two things the first couple years. And because I had so much free time, I was like, oh, I might as well try to audition for acting. And I I read books on acting. I I did a couple short films. And I just had a lot of random experiences. It was one of those years I just said yes to everything. And I just met a lot of people in the industry. So I, I did learn a lot during those years. Yeah, I think that's also really reassuring because a lot of times people today think like, oh my gosh, I need to have a plan. I need to know exactly what I want to do. And they get scared to try new things. You know, they get scared to try something and then for it to fail. Or, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to try it because I might not see it all the way through. But I think it's so cool to try things, you know? Like I I feel like – Yeah. I think when you're young, you don't realize you have so much time to figure things out. Like in your 20s, you have like a decade. Like people are lost. They don't know what they're doing. And people Mm -hmm. might change careers like in their 30s or later on even. So don't be afraid to fail. It's better to fail early than it is to fail later. Because what if – like I've seen a lot of friends like they're – they want to take a stable job out of college and then like five years in, they realize they hate it and they don't know how to start over again. And it, it's it's even harder to start over once you've built some sort of foundation. So I knew that when I was young, when I had no foundation, no work experience, I was like, I'm just going to do everything. And I knew I was probably going to fail at some, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it's, it's the process of like learning and through the process of trying all these things, like it led me to where I was meant to be. I wouldn't know to start this YouTube channel if I had been working a normal job. You know, it was a collection of all all the experiences I had. And when did you then start YouTube? So you had all of these experiences. You did acting, you did singing. And then when when did you like first start your YouTube channel? Um, About two years after I graduated. So I graduated 2012. It was 2014 that I started my channel. And but let me tell you, by the time I started, like before I started Lavendaire, I thought I was done with YouTube because I actually, I don't know if you know this, but I started a YouTube channel singing since when I was in a senior year of high school. So like I've been doing YouTube for like five or six years already, like as a Mm -hmm. hobby. And then when I graduated, I put a lot of time into trying to be a musician on YouTube and also playing all these like venues. And I I created an album. I had an album release party. I was like serious with music. But after I, you know, I was doing music for like a couple years almost, and it just didn't feel like there was much traction and I was feeling really frustrated again. And I... It was like this one night where I was watching all these YouTubers because I, I loved watching YouTube ever since it started. And I envied these YouTubers' lives. And I'm like, why do I want their life so bad? You know, I was like, I thought I gave up on YouTube. My YouTube failed. It didn't go anywhere. Like I, I was trying to move on, right? Um, but then something in me told me that I should give it a try again. And, you know, during this time, I was reading all these self-help books. I was trying to figure out, you know, what my purpose was in life, how to be successful, how to figure out my life. And even though I wasn't there yet, I didn't have things figured out. I, I did learn a lot in that experience. And I did learn that even though I didn't have like, you know, a set path, I, I loved my life where it was. It was so creative. I just had so many fun experiences. You know, I even got to like fly to Taiwan to shoot a short film. Like 
I don't know. I just had all these cool experiences that I'm like, I want to share this lifestyle with people. I want to share pe- with people that there's there is another way than just t- doing what your parents told you to do or doing what society tells you to do. Like you can create the life you want exactly how you want it. And that that mindset and that idea is what like launched Lavender. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's so cool that you had that singing channel at first, you know, that <laughs> was kind of what you, what you thought would, that was going to be your career path, you know, yeah. like going down singing or acting. And then when you started Lavender, what was it when you first started? Like how has your channel evolved from when you, were you starting with vlogs? Were you starting with, you know, self-care tips or did you do singing still on this channel? Like wh- what was what were your first few videos like? Yeah, it was not singing. I separated singing on the other channel. But Lavender, I really started as it was me talking about my life lessons. So it was really boring. It was just me sitting in my bedroom, just that one shot of me talking. But I would just talk about the life lessons that I learned, like how to overcome fear or how to find your purpose, these these topics. And it was so new to me because during that time, I didn't find anyone at least anyone that looked like me, like young, <laughs> my age, talking about these topics of like, you know, feeling lost in life and just the personal growth, self-help type of topics. So it, I felt I was really nervous about it because this, these were topics I didn't really talk to my friends about. And mm-hmm. I just felt like, oh, they're going to think I'm so weird and cheesy <laughs> if we're talking about life things. But, you know, I saw a gap. I saw that since there was no one making this content on YouTube, there it's going to have to like grow in the future. So, so yeah. Right. And typically if you want something and you can't find it, probably other people do too. You know, like yeah. there was probably so many young women around your age that wanted that type of content that couldn't find it, but they didn't yes. think to make it themselves. Yes. Because at the time I only watched like beauty and fashion YouTubers there and if you were to try to find these topics, the only ones you would find are like older people talking about spirituality, but it was very like a little bit too woo-woo than what I wanted to do. I wanted to bridge the gap between these like beauty lifestyle channels and the style that, you know, the the vlogs and the morning routines, the style that they did, but infuse these like deeper concepts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so smart. And I mean, the way it's going today that I feel like YouTube has evolved in the way that your channel yeah. originally started, like now more people are talking about that. And oh, for sure, it's- it has kind of bridged that gap. So would you say your channel has evolved since then or you're doing similar stuff to what you were doing? The topics that I talk about are almost the same, except, you know, I've learned new things. So my topics have evolved. But the style, like, you know, some of my videos have the same style where I just sit there and I talk about these lessons. The only thing is now I kind of like spruce, spruce up the video with more B-roll and more like text on screen and stuff. And then the new stuff that I have added are just like my montage videos or like, you know, vlogs. I didn't really start, I guess I started with vlogs, but not the type that I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the quality and the style has just evolved, but I think the content itself is like so, the same. Because I I started with the artist of life concept. If you go back and watch my first video, I talk about this is my channel where we're going to learn how to be an artist of life, you know, create the life that we want. So yeah, the mission was always there. Yeah. And now you have products with that name on it. That's so cool. It's like a full circle moment. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And you already hit a million subscribers, which is incredible. So congratulations on that. I'm curious, was it a viral video that helped you grow or was it just a slow and steady growth of producing consistent content? I There were definitely spikes and bumps 
as a YouTuber, I'm sure you, you've noticed, like sometimes mm-hmm. the algorithm favors you. <clears throat> Sorry. Right. <clears throat> sometimes the algorithm favors you. And so you do get like bumps. And so the first bump I ever noticed on my channel was one year after I started in 2015, I did a whole series on like decluttering my life the KonMari way. You know that book by Maria Kondo, The mm-hmm. Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up? <clears throat> so. Yep. Someone actually recommended that book to me when it first came out, like the first, the English version just came out. So I read it immediately and I did, I decluttered my whole life in like six months. And that was before it became a trend. You know, it got so trendy. She even has a Netflix show now. So I think this I, minimalism was a hot topic starting from 2015 and mm-hmm. I made videos about minimalism. So that's one of the first bumps I got. And then I think 2016, 2017, I also got other bumps, like one was like the self-care morning routine type bump. And then the other was like zero waste was, you know, it was a new topic at the time I made a video and that one like went viral too. Mm -hmm. Like 10 ways to reduce waste. And then last year, it's funny because astrology has been such a, it's become such a hot topic in 2020. And I made a video in 2019, like a year before about astrology. And when I posted it, nobody watched it. It was a video where I'm like, I I was like, let me try to put out this video. And like, nobody, you know, my audience didn't really care about it. I was like, okay, fine. I'll never do a video like that again. And then one year later, because astrology blew up as a topic, that video now has like, I don't know, six or seven million views. Oh my gosh. it, It blew up like a year after I posted it. Isn't that crazy? That's so crazy because I always tell people, don't delete your old videos. I'm like, you never know what's going to happen with them. Yeah. And so it's fun because I can see the trends of society in the past, I don't know, seven years. Like, I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, self-love and self-care were not terms that we used. Like, I Mm -hmm. did, you know, like that was not in our vocabulary. We didn't even talk about that. And now, like, everyone talks about that. All these businesses are, you know, using self-love and (laughs) self-care. Or, you know, to market that. And I noticed that bump in 2016. So isn't yeah. it crazy that you see these things come into like the collective? Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of like when I was saying how when you started on those topics, like now it's like, oh, duh, like yeah. that's such a common topic. But like exactly. in 2015, 2014, no. it was not common at yeah. all. No one was talking about that. People were still talking about like how to curl your hair and do eyeliner, you know? Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because I'm trying to think, 2014, I was going into college. So Mm -hmm. I was um, a freshman in college. And I remember making videos about, you know, my lookbook, my, you know, all of this, like, here's my go-to college makeup tutorial. I do miss fashion lookbooks. Yeah. (laughs) That was an era. Yeah. Honestly, I don't miss it because they had so much work involved. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm good without them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that's, I mean, you really are like a trendsetter then and you can see the trends ahead of time. And I feel like though – the reason why you're just like why you are distinct is also because for you it's not just a trend it's like the way that you've been living your life mm-hmm. so i think that that's what's really unique about it is that yeah. you're not doing it because it's popular you're doing yeah. it because that's actually what you've been practicing I know. It's so funny because I felt like I was doing these things when they were unpopular. Like if in 2014, if you talked about meditation, everyone would think you're so weird, right? Mm-hmm. My friends are like, who meditates? Like that is some like Buddhist, like go on the med- the mountaintop, like weird thing, right? But now it's such a trend and it's so cool. Like mental health, taking care of your mental health is so cool and it's so supported now. Whereas back then, like I was going through depression my senior year of college and I just, nobody around me took it seriously, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it has been a shift and I think for the better. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's really cool that now there's so many apps that are dealing with meditation too and helping mm-hmm. people meditate. And yeah. I feel like so many more people are like going to therapy and really yeah. talking about mental health and talking about going to therapy. And it's not something weird. Like I remember in high school, if you were to go to therapy, it's like, oh, like do yeah. you have something wrong with you? You know, it's yeah. it was so taboo to mm-hmm. say that you were talking to someone. Yeah, for sure. And since you started that and back in 2014, you've been, you know, talking about mental health and self-love, what are some practices that you now implement into your life? So do you have any rituals that you do either daily, weekly, monthly, anything that you do to kind of help you stay grounded today? Yeah. I'm someone that doesn't thrive on routines. Like I really like to switch things up depending on how I feel that day. But my like, like, my um cornerstone habits are always like journaling if i feel messy like if my mind is all over the place i have to journal and write it down and then doing yoga yoga always like centers me and calms me down right now i'm doing this like it's a very unique challenge called liberation kriya challenge it's like a it's basically holding a pose from yoga for like 9 minutes straight and it's a 40 day <laughs> challenge so this is something unique that i don't typically do but i'm doing it right now so yeah that's that's something that I'm doing. That's replacing my typical meditation. Um, that's but- so. In- that's so. It sounds so hard. To hold a pose for nine minutes. <laughs> it's all you're doing is holding your arms up in like this specific position. I talk about it on my YouTube channel, but it is hard. Like it's. It starts off physically hard because your arms are tired and you're like shaking. You know that feeling where you're mm-hmm. like shaking and you want to give up. Yeah, it's you're doing that for nine minutes and you're teaching your mind to kind of push through it because. At the end of the day, you're not going to die by holding your arms up, right? All you're going to, if you can hold it, then you're just going to get stronger. And it's as much of a physical workout as it is mental. And Mm -hmm. eventually, like by now, I'm like on day 20 something and my arms are stronger now. Like I've built the muscle. So it's not physically hard, but it's mentally hard to just like do the nine minutes. Right. I feel like I I would be like getting bored and like wanting to do something else. Exactly. So you learn to like be patient. And I think that mindset is like so important to build. Yeah, no, I love that. And so that's interesting though that you say that you don't like routines because I was going to ask you what your morning routine is. So is every morning completely different for you? Yes, every morning is different. It really depends on what I have scheduled that day. One thing that I I mean, people didn't expect of me before, but I think by now I've talked about it so much is I'm actually a very late bird. I don't like to wake up early. I wake up at like 11 a.m. <laughs> oh my God. I do. I Because I, I sleep at like two or three sometimes. I love to read and do all my self-care stuff at night. So in the morning, sometimes I don't even have time to do a morning routine. Sometimes I just like drink water. I I take these like vitamins in the morning and then I might just get to work. If I have time, then I might journal. I might do yoga or I might meditate, but it's not like necessary. (laughs) I do most of my stuff at night. (laughs) Well, I love that you actually say that because Mm -hmm. I think that there's a misconception that your mornings have to be the most peaceful, perfect, like yeah. zen mornings or else you're going to have a very unproductive day. You have to wake up at five in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, all of yeah. like there's so many people that are like super successful. It's like, what's your morning routine? And it's like, I wake up at 4 a.m. and I go on a run and then I do this. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> yeah. no, I, I totally get it. I get that that works for a lot of people, but like I I just can't. I've tried it. I've tried to wake up earlier. It's I'm not that type of person. I think everyone has a different body clock and I've always been the type to like to sleep late and wake up late. Um, So I've accepted it by now. (laughs) Like I just Mm -hmm. work around this schedule and I mean, I love it and it works for me and I still can be as productive as I need to be. And I I also want to talk about that because I used to 
you know how we're all I think the past few years has been about like productivity and hustle it's been like you know you got to grind and I think starting the maybe since last year where we are realizing we need to take a break we need to rest and it's life is not about being as productive as possible Mm -hmm. right and so those people that wake up at 5 a.m and do all those things so they can have a productive day like I it might work for them but I it sounds tiring to me I don't want that life (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And yeah. what do you is product like what do you um consider productivity? Because I think everyone's definition of productive is a little different. So True. when you say like what does a productive day look like for you? For me, I always feel productive when I'm creating. So when I'm just working on any anything creative, like a video or product or whatever. And when I'm not productive is when I notice my mind always gets distracted. I'm spending too much time on social media and, and all of those things. So if I can spend a day where I'm just like in flow, you know, in flow where you're, you don't even notice the time passing by, you're just like having fun working, I consider that productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I think it's always unique that some people consider, you know, some people might not want to be in front of a camera. They would consider that like they like answering emails. They like, you know, yeah, scheduling yeah. things on their calendar. So everyone works super differently. Yeah. I mean, I feel productive doing those things too, but I, you know, I feel the best when I create. Mm-hmm. And you and I, I feel like are very similar in the sense that we have different passions. Like you, I feel like have so many different interests. You know, you Mm -hmm. tried acting, you tried singing, you have a shop now, you had a podcast, you have Mm -hmm. your YouTube, your blog, you have so many different parts of your life. So is it, and it's really reflected in your work. So what do you think about the advice that so many people say to niche down? Because I feel like mm. I'm the opposite. I don't niche down necessarily. Like I feel yeah. like I have a brand and, you know, my brand is me, like I, what the yeah. things that I like, but I don't have one specific thing. Like I'm not, I only make videos about this or I only talk yeah. about topics like this. I'm very multifaceted, I would say. You know, everyone is multifaceted. And I mm-hmm. think that that advice is a little like I have been hearing that for like a long time, but I think it is changing because now, well, let's go back. I think the advice comes from if you niche down and you talk about a specific topic, people know what they, what to expect from you, right? So Mm -hmm. you attract a very like tight knit loyal audience because they love that one thing that you do. And when you add more things, like, you know, that audience might not be interested in all the things you're interested in. So, you know, it kind of dilutes the audience a little bit. So if I were to give advice to like someone just starting out, I do agree niching down might be a good idea because it helps you grow faster, right? But I think once you grow a little bit more to a certain point, you can really be yourself. I think it's more important to embrace all parts of yourself because people love you for you. And what makes you unique is the fact that you have all these different facets about you. And so I think like now kind of like the newer social media is just about like your niche is you your personality and your interests. Like you don't have to be just one topic because people can feel very pigeonholed if they're only allowed to talk about one thing. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like it's one of those things where I always think that I like so many different types of things and I don't want to only make content on one specific topic because Mm -hmm. I know it will help me grow more, but I I like filming about whatever I want to film or like things that are going on in my daily life. And I feel like whenever people come to me and they ask me like, oh, how do I grow? Like I heard to niche down, but like, I don't want to, I want to film all this different type of content. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I think it's okay to do that. You know, I think it's like you said, every single person is multifaceted. So it's okay. Like you might not grow as quickly, but I think it's okay if that's what 
if that's what you want to like revolve your content around. I think it's more important to enjoy what you're doing than to try to just do, you know, niche down and do one thing in order to grow really fast. Because, right, like, aren't you supposed to be doing this because you enjoy it? You should be enjoying every step of the process. Right. And for you, when was that? Like, did you enjoy your YouTube channel from the beginning? So you had your singing channel and then that didn't really like you wanted to quit that. So with this new channel, have you enjoyed every step of the way? Have have you pivoted at all in your content to enjoy it more? Or what has your journey been like the past few years with this second channel? I, I feel like I have enjoyed this journey. Obviously, when you're I don't know about you, but as a creative, I feel like every you know, back then when I was posting every Wednesday, I didn't enjoy, you know, you're like, oh, I have to do this, but I don't know what to make. So mm-hmm. the the creative process is fun, but it's all, there's so much resistance in between. So yeah, I, it's like, I enjoy it in a very challenging way. <clears throat> um, you had, what was your other question? How has your channel <clears throat> pivoted? So if, when you started to now, um, oh, besides yeah. for your second channel. Yeah. Um, so what's funny is I totally agree with your kind of like how you were talking about people want you to niche down, but you just want to do everything. Mm-hmm. So like I said, during 2015, 2016, it was the era of minimalism. And I had a lot of people follow me because they liked to watch my videos about minimalism. And so people would always request me make more minimalism videos. And I, I you know, I had a decision. I can make more minimalism videos. And I knew my channel would grow a lot, a lot because it was popping off at that time. But I knew in my heart that I didn't want my channel to be just about that. You know, I want it to be about lifestyle and, you know, creating your dream life, which is a a whole umbrella of topics. And so I just stuck to my original vision to create what I wanted to create, the topics that I liked, because I didn't want to be pigeonholed into one thing, you know? So Mm -hmm. that was a conscious decision to, to not do certain things that I knew would help me grow. Yeah. And I think that's an important decision that every creator has to make at one point. Mm -hmm. Do you want to like, what do you want the channel or what do you want the direction to go in? And a lot of times it is kind of split between what you know, maybe will help you grow a ton, like very, very Mm -hmm. quickly versus what you really enjoy. And a lot of times those can overlap and merge, but I think there are moments where we kind of have to decide like, which one is more important to us. And so mm-hmm. I've always been in the mindset that I just need to make what I enjoy and then I will yeah. attract the audience that is right for me. You know, yes. I don't need to attract every single person. Yeah, you have to enjoy it. Otherwise, your videos aren't – like they can feel it through your videos, you know, whether you're forcing yeah. it or whether you really enjoy it. And I think it's important to have a vision and stay stick true to that vision because there are always going to be new trends popping up on YouTube. And if you just follow the trends, I've seen channels that followed the trend really hard. And then once the trend died, their viewership died with it, mm-hmm. you know, like beauty hacks or slime videos or, you know, whatever that were the trends from the past few years. Yeah. So if you follow a trend and you, you only do that trend, your channel, you will like grow and die with that trend. Right. It's a, it has so, a lifespan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you can't be doing the same thing forever. So you do have to stay true to your vision and also evolve with the times. Right. And then you also have a shop. So when did you start that? Was that kind of in the beginning of your YouTube channel or how many years ago did you start your, um, like your workbooks? Uh, I think it was two years after I was doing my YouTube channel that I decided to make like my first workbook. It was the first Artist of Life workbook, but it was just a digital PDF that I sold online. And the idea of that is it's all the exercises and journaling prompts that helped me 
figure out my life and create my dream life into one little like book. And it did really well and people requested it to be like a physical book. So I started that I think the first year was 2018 that I, it became physical and I didn't separate the shop website until 2019, I believe. So it's, I mean, it's been slowly growing. I didn't expect it to be a full shop in the beginning. I really just thought like, okay, I have this thing, you know, this one product that I want to sell and it just happened to do really well. And now I'm so grateful to have my shop because, well, now I have like the workbook, I have a daily planner, I have notebooks and I have like merch as well, like the sweater set. And it's, to me, it's been so fun to just like have an idea and then create it and see it in physical form. And I think that's something I didn't really get with creating videos or podcasts. So it's, I don't know, I find joy in that. And how did, how, what's the process of like coming up with this idea, sketching it out, and then actually seeing it in your hand? Like, how long did that take from the idea to like physical product? I mean, it could take like six months to a year of preparing. I guess it, yeah, it takes maybe me like two to three months to design like a workbook. And then to get it made is another like two to three to four months because you have in the your first time making something, there's a lot of like back and forth, like, okay, what material do you want the cover to be? And then you're just working on like, you know, sizing and just everything, all the little details of it. Um, I was, I wanted to say something else, but I, I blanked out right now. <laughs> what was, what was your question again? How long it takes from like um, idea to like physical product. Like what's that process? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, when I first created the first workbook, all I just made it on pages. You know pages on your Mac? Yeah. So it was so basic. <laughs> I, I literally just like typed things up, drew boxes and stuff. And after that year, I told myself like, okay, I got to level it up. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually took like an online course teaching you how to use Adobe InDesign. So it's this, you know, it's a professional software where you can create like, you know, like layouts for like books and magazines and stuff. So anyway, I learned this program. So I had to like, you know, learn how to use it. And then I designed it, which took like a couple months. And what I do every year is I send, like I always involve my audience for feedback. So the first version, I sent it to like 10 people of from my audience and just asked them to give me feedback. So I would work with people to kind of tweak it and improve it. So that, yeah. That's, that's, that's so smart that. asking your audience for the feedback too. Yeah. And they feel very involved. Like you're actually involving them in the process too. Yes, definitely. This year, like this month, actually, I started for the first time trying to do focus groups with my audience. So like I have a small team now and they organize like Zoom sessions. So like maybe four to eight people per Zoom session to just talk to them and to ask them like, okay, what do you like? What do you not like? What do you like about Lavender? What products do you want to see in the future? So it's, yeah, it's I love having that conversation with them because they're so passionate about this, you know, Lavender and the workbook. And yeah, I think it's so important to just like listen, you know? It really is. And I mean, like your YouTube channel, your shop, all of this is at the end of the day, you are running your own business. And so I think it's so important to talk to your, you know, your followers and the people who are supporting you because without them, you wouldn't have the business that you have today. So I think that that's so important. How do you, what are the logistics of you getting your focus group like do you ask people if they want to be in it does your team just hand select them or like how do people join the focus group yeah well I have an email list where people from my audience can join and so I just send out an email list you know putting a link like okay who's interested in a focus group that's kind of like we'll get people to submit in that survey and then 
for this time, I mean, this is the first time, but we split people up into four groups. So we had like a group of people who bought the workbook year after year for at least two to three years, people who bought only once from the shop, people who have never bought from the shop, and then people who identify as like super fans. So we just like, you know, because each group will have different opinions. So Mm I, I don't know. I thought it would be helpful to hear like what our super fans think or people who bought the workbook every single year. Like I want to, I value their opinion because they support us like so, so much. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I'm, I think that's so smart. And I mean, I need to buy your daily planner. I was looking at it and I was like, oh, I need this. Like this yeah, is something I, I need love in it. my life. <laughs> yeah. I use it every day. It's so good. Yeah. And did you design everything yourself or did you have like graphic designers helping you or did you have a team helping you with the design of the workbooks? Yeah. Up until like before the 2021 workbook, I designed everything myself. And then this past year, I hired a designer to help me redo the fonts. So like the cover and certain cover pages, like she helped me design. But basically like most of the content where it's just like, you know, the prompts and the boxes and stuff, that's still me designing it. That's awesome. I mean, you're very hands-on and I think it shows in your work and it's very cohesive, everything across all of your channels and your shop. Mm -hmm. Thanks. And I know I saw your video, which is one of my favorite videos of yours about your 20s. And I think it was a video you posted this year at the end of last year. Um, And that one was really inspiring to me because I'm about to turn 25. So I feel like, yeah, I'm like right in the middle. I'm like, oh, quarter life crisis. Like, (laughs) yeah. Um, so I feel like I, I also feel like I'm a much different person than when I was 20 years old compared Mm -hmm. to now. And then I can't even imagine how much I'll change from 25 to 30. So my question to you before we go is what advice would you give yourself at 20 years old? And then what advice would you give yourself at 25 years old? Okay. At 20 years old, the advice I would give is believe in yourself be confident and work on that relationship with yourself because I really think self-love is at the foundation of everything Mm -hmm. you do. Like you can't succeed and do well and be happy if you don't have that like solid loving relationship with yourself. And I was so insecure. It took me like many, many years to to work on that. So that's what I would tell my 20-year-old self. Um, And then 25, I was already like in the middle of building Lavender. I think I would tell that self to be patient and just like, I don't know. Like I I would tell myself to like do the work and trust that like the success will come your way because at that time I was so unsure of whether anything I did was going to become anything. I was still Mm -hmm. very, you know, nothing was being solid. So I would tell myself, I guess it's similar to also like believe in yourself kind of. And, and I, I mean, what, what was really helpful was like the mindset, the kind of like law of attraction manifesting mindset too to like believe that I was already there believe that I was successful instead of doubting yourself yeah no I I mean I think that's so important and it's something that people view confident people as like oh they've always been confident and I'm not confident so I'm never going to be that way but I also dealt with a lot of insecurity and like really was not confident in myself at all didn't believe I could do anything and Mm -hmm. it's taken so many years to get to a point where you do feel overall confident in who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's great advice, especially for someone who is listening to this that might be in the middle of their 20s as well. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Where can they find you, Eileen? Thank you so much. Um, You guys can find me at Lavender on YouTube and Instagram. It's the same name everywhere. Awesome. That's easy enough. So I'll have everything in the show notes, but thank you so much. I'll have all of your links there and I'll have um, a link where people can buy the workbook because I think I'll be purchasing that soon. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. 
I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to today's episode. Let me know what you guys think on Instagram. You guys can DM me. Be sure to screenshot this and share it and tag me and Eileen to make sure that you guys tell her that you guys were listening to this episode. But thank you guys so much for tuning in and I will see you guys next Monday on another episode of The Real Real Podcast. And by next Monday, the intro will be in Miami, which is insane. So (laughs) anyways, thank you guys for listening and I'll see you guys next week. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.